As I contemplated Thanksgiving this year, I found myself singing a song by Eddie Harris and Les McCann that they recorded in 1969, Compared to What? It's a jazzy protest song with graphic, oddly whimsical lyrics, such as the president, he's got his war, folks don't know just what it's for. No one gives us rhyme or reason. Have one doubt? They call it treason. We're chicken feathers. Without one nut, I can't use it. Trying to make it real compared to what? It goes on, but you get the idea. Trying to make our experience vital and alive amidst unreal values, crass distortion, unwed mothers need abortions. Kind of brings to mind old young King Tut. He did it now. He tried to make it real compared to what? As I said, it goes on. And it's a great song. Kind of a syncopated protest song lamenting the social and economic struggles of the mid-60s when it was written. That period of civil unrest was difficult to live through those who were there. But ironically, many folks look back on those years very fondly. Despite the strife, there was a lot happening and a lot to be thankful for. Just to begin with, the music. And not just Les McCann, one-time member of the Berkeley Fellowship of Unitarian Universalists, by the way. Roberta Fleck also had a gold record with Compared to What?, and it has been recorded now by over 250 artists. There was other fabulous music in that era too. Motown, reggae, the English invasion, R&B, lots of great music. The beginnings of the space exploration and the computer software revolution also came out of that period. The Civil Rights and Voting Rights Acts were passed, plus the Americans with Disabilities Act. And Title IX, protecting people from discrimination based on disability or gender. But at the time these struggles were playing out, no one knew how anything would turn out. In the words of reggae musician Jimmy Cliff, we were all and still just sitting here in limbo. Well, that was years ago, decades ago. More recently, it was 19 months ago, March 8th, 2020, when this church, along with the rest of the country, really the world as it turned out, started going into lockdown. We began immediately broadcasting our Sunday services and other events on Zoom. The worship team redesigned our program to be more child and family friendly and easier for newcomers unfamiliar with Unitarian Universalist folkways to comfortably follow along. And we've done okay. Our attendance remained steady for 14 months through last spring. We made tentative plans to open again in September until emergence of the Delta variant demanded putting back on the brakes. But now we, we are more assured that the timing is right, 
for on-site activities again, beginning, if all goes according to our plan, on January 23rd. Now, of course, it's not gonna go back to exactly as it was. Nothing ever goes back to the same. It will be different in a variety of ways, but it will be more the same, and um, we're looking forward to it. All things change, but they often come together slowly, one step at a time. Change is ubiquitous and unending in this life, and there's no getting around it because it forces us out of familiar routines and habits. We resist it, even when it's good for us. So 19 months ago, everything changed. Movies, concerts, and social events were curtailed. We all learned about wearing face masks and social distancing. Such a bother, at first anyway. But once we began to settle into routine, it turned out to be simple enough, especially when weighed against the possibility of contacting, contracting the novel coronavirus or one of its variants. Carol and I were, taking, were talking a couple of nights ago all the about all the silver linings that we've experienced because of the pandemic. With pretty much each other as main companions, we became slower and more deliberate in our dinner conversations, more conversational. After lapsing myself into some, well, I'll just call it what it was, kind of excessive drinking during the pandemic's early, early days, I found a will to cut back and keep it simple, as they say. I've taken up walking to nearby wetlands for spiritual and emotional support, my own private, all but, Walden Pond, which I never would have discovered had it not been for the pandemic. And I started nosing around my neighborhood to find out what's right beneath my feet and really exquisite. We have both adopted better exercise routines and become more deliberate keeping up our, with our extended families and network of friends. Carol has always been very good um, but this at this, but it, this pandemic reminded me of my love for these people, these friends of mine, and the importance of maintaining bonds with them. A lot of people have put greater time into their gardening or cooking or hobbies, or have become more focused or intentional about their reading, or in some cases I know their writing, or trying to put together, in my case, an adult RE curriculum program on ritual in our lives that can help people more deeply understand how myth and ritual provide another way to interpret and process human experience, a way that balances our ordinary linear sequential uh, everyday experience with depth and greater insight. Look for it in January. America is such a busy, busy, always busy place with little time for just taking in the view or smelling the roses. But these activities are the pith and essential sweetness of life, among the most pleasant things we experience. 
Simple, unheralded, comforting. Thanks for what? Thanks for all of them. For as my father called them the simple pleasures of the poor, a filling meal, a good conversation, tender intimacy, whether verbal, physical, or just laughing together happily and robustly. How great is that? Taking the time to pause and step off the merry-go-round, look around and appreciate the beauty of life and of all the simple things happening around us every day. The pandemic has helped me do that, not at first, but as the contagion has gone on, as more and more Trump supporters in an odd, is it perverse effort to make President Biden look worse than their champion, have refused to get back vaccinated. And as that's happened, I've taken on and taken, I've been taken by the multiple ways those who would destroy the Republic are oddly and ironically destroying themselves in the process, cutting their noses off to spite their face, as my mom used to say about self-destructive behavior indulged in out of foolish pride. Another silver lining, the ways in which people are quitting their dead-end, unproductive, and soul-stifling jobs and branching out anew. Some employers are finding this annoying, but to me, it seems like wonderful news. It's scary and unnerving to leave the familiar and to go for your heart's desire. I remember when my daughter and two of her girlfriends gathered their meager possessions after getting out of the University of New Mexico and moved from Albuquerque to Boston. Before embarking, Meredith had written every grown-up she knew, told them about her plan, and asked for any contacts they had that might make her big move successful. My oldest sister, who had known and loved Meredith her whole life, and who also lives in a beautiful home in suburban Boston, wrote her back and told her, maybe you ought to think twice and go perhaps to someplace easier to break into, like Denver or Austin, less competitive than around here. There are lots of Harvard and MIT students whose spouses are also looking for work. The competition is very fierce. To which my daughter replied, not very helpful. I am going to go through with my plan, and if you cannot help me, please stay out of it. Yes! My sister immediately admitted her unhelpfulness, and soon the three young women were all resettled and thriving in a town very close to my sister. The pandemic has thrown many plans into disarray. Many were compelled to delay their big move. But others went ahead despite the many difficulties. Indeed, sometimes difficulties can lead to a good thing. I am one, by the way, who has an active prayer life. Do I pray like Janis Joplin? Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? No. I do not believe in that's what we call petitional prayer. I want this. May I have it, please, God, or whatever you're praying to. No, I don't believe in petitional prayer at all. But I do believe in prayer, 
because it helps me become clearer about what my heart's desire is. What am I wanting? What's, what's, what am I eager to achieve, to find, to grow in capacity about? That's always worth knowing. What is making me tick? What inspires me? What floats my boat? I think it's healthy to go ahead and become clear with oneself about just what it is you may long for and are aiming at. And that it's okay to pray for what you want to happen. But here's the catch. While our prayers, I believe, I believe, are always answered, I also believe they are never answered in quite the way you want or, ex or are expecting or are wanting them to. So, what do we pray for then, going forward? First, let us pray for thankfulness itself, for the calm and presence to recognize our existential dependence on the great chain of being, and to accept its gracious bounty, full-heartedly appreciative. Second, let us pray that our fellow citizens, those with whom we are in accord and those we contend with philosophically, find a way to embrace one another and to embrace vaccines and reduce infection rates across the land. And finally, let us pray that our beloved country finds its way back into dialogue and constructive self-government, that America's 400th Thanksgiving be one of growing appreciation for our way of government, our way of life, and one another. May it be so. Shalom. Namaste. Salam. Amen. And may blessings abide across our community, our town, our state, our world. Amen.